Nelson in looking for Garza backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Hi all, five strike final. Jason Jones here from the mothership and Dirty South Soccer. Dot com. Uh, Joe Patrick from 90.9 The Game, 3 South Soccer, and The Mothership sometimes as well is over there. It is very appropriately a, a rainy and overcast, gloomy day in Atlanta and in Athens. Uh, Joseph Martinez, out for a while, torn ACL. God is crying. It's God's tears coming down today. Joseph got hurt. God's dead, man. <laughs> oh, touche, touche. Yeah, uh, man, I mean, it's sad. It is like a very kind of like gloomy day, it, like apropos, unfortunately. Yeah. It's sad. It's sad. I don't know. I wrote about it. Yeah, yeah. I wrote I just, about it eventually. We'll all kind of write about this eventually, I think, to get our emotions out some way, somehow. But it's very... Strange, and the the central crux, either well, maybe not the crux, but the way I kind of started what I wrote today uh, on MLS.com is I started with the fact that he was the one that was supposed to be here, you know, out of all the people that we lost this offseason, out of all the people who, you know, disappeared that we were upset with, with Nagby, LGP, Tito, Gressel, all of these people very high in, in jersey sales and minutes. Uh, Joseph was supposed to be the constant, right? And we right. always just kind of assumed he'd be the constant. And to have that kind of taken away from a communal experience that thrives on consistency, you know, it, we love sports a lot of times because they are there for us. To not have a central piece of that is extremely disheartening. He is like very core to the Atlanta United experience, right? Yeah. Like that, like that's what you think of when you think of Atlanta United. When you think of a game day, when you just think of your the best moments, you know that you've had as a fan at a game. You think of a, probably a, a moment involving Joseph Martinez, or you know whether it's him celebrating or scoring a goal or something like that. And you know, God bless you for writing about it today because when I saw the news, I was like. I had this, the feeling was like, I can't even, I can't even deal with it right now. Yeah. <laughs> like it was just, you know, everybody was obviously all over it when the news came out. All the national journalists were um, tweeting out their, their thoughts. And I, the first thing that came to mind for me was just like, it was just that. It was just the emptiness that I felt like a lot of fans probably had at that point in time. Where, like, at least that's how it was for me. It wasn't, my, yeah. my first reaction was not about how it was necessarily going to affect the team. It was just about, how like Joseph makes you feel things, you know, and, and it's uh, that's not going to be that kind of feeling isn't going to be around now. Maybe it, like um, there will still be, you know, the season is going to be played and there will still be fun times and there will still be frustrating times and sad, you know, all, we'll go through all the emotions throughout the season, but it will just feel like there's something missing without his, the kind of energy that he brings on a regular basis. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And you're right. When you think about Atlanta United, you think about him staring down the crowd with like pink hair or bright white hair or something like that. You know, Um, (laughs) there's a reason the the build the statue thing kind of caught on. Right. Like it was started as a joke. And then, you know, I think people really kind of taken it to heart. Um, 
God, it's just weird to think of a whole a full season. But we've kind of done this a little before, but it was before we really knew exactly what Joseph was. Right. Right. You'll, right. you'll remember that first season where he did something to his quad, I want to say. Yeah. Hip abductor, something like that. It was a quad, uh, yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he was out for a while. And everything was fine. Um, you know, but once we kind of really got to know Joseph and got to see past a dude who was just kind of ticked off all the time, it seemed like, um, and get to see him curse in the media and, you know, get to see him mess around with Miguel and get to see how other people in the team treated him. Um, the, the angry moments kind of became less enigmatic and, and more understandable and more accessible in a way. And when you can make anger accessible, yeah. it's really, really fun, you know, because you get to kind of have that catharsis through this human, right. uh, which is really an incredible connection to have with the city and with the community. Uh, you, you don't see it often. And I don't think we've really ever seen it in Atlanta. You know, I don't think we've ever seen a star who kind of prides himself on anger. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I've, you know, so I live uh, right across the street from my apartment complex is a park, just a, a city park, and there, there's a soccer field on it that I drive by every day. And uh, there was one day I saw a bunch of kids playing on it, and I just so happened to, when I was driving by, I saw a kid score. And after he scored the goal, he like ran over to the corner and did the like the Joseph angry pose or whatever, you know, and like all his little kid friends were like running behind him. And then they kind of mobbed him after that. But like and there was nobody. It's not like he was like doing the pose for like a bunch of fans that were (laughs) like there was nobody around. Like he wasn't doing it for anybody. But, you know, it was just like he was emulating Joseph. And so, yeah, that was kind of funny. But, um, you know, can I cut you off there and say that uh, I have also done that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it may have been, I don't know if it was kids or if it was me out there. Um, so if, if you scored a goal at any point in the last few years and you haven't thought about running over and staring down a non-existent crowd, yeah. um, I don't know. Like a, I don't know a street, who you are. A street light, a stop sign. Yeah. Yeah. Empty field of, of trees, <laughs> yeah. something like that, you know. <laughs> uh, it is amazing, though. Like, I feel like the club has really modeled itself. It, it, it's kind of... Um, branded itself like after joseph or maybe it's been like a, a a coexistence but you know even when you think about the king kit like would 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 the whole king kit that they revealed this season as their alternate kit would that have even been their brand if joseph martinez wasn't this like didn't have this like you know king branding around himself um i feel like there's just a lot of connotations i kind of wrote about it when i wrote about uh when he broke the goal, the single season goal scoring record a couple of years ago about how like, he's just very, um, he has like his own brand within the city and it really connects with a lot of people, uh, especially like the younger, more diverse demographic that lives in, in the city. And obviously a lot of those people, um, fill the supporter section who, who go crazy for him. It's just, uh, I, that, and that's why I feel so bad about what happened is because there's it feels like there's a void now with, with that connection and um you know they'll find it again i think the team and the fans and all that stuff like i i i actually get kind of uh frustrated with like when i was reading through comments of the article that you wrote today which was fantastic and i recommend anybody go to mlssoccer.com to read it but like when people are like oh yeah well the fans won't even show up anymore like nah, they'll show up but um, there's just going to be a different kind of 
Um, I don't know. It's just going to be a different vibe without him there. I have also looked through the comments on my article, <laughs> and uh, the the large majority of reaction is generally positive to pretty much anything we kind of put out. I, I it's never in the comment section of the article though, you know. It's like on Twitter and people we know and other things like that. It's fascinating to see the people who have keyed in on something I used right at the end where I said, and that's just not fair about Joseph's <laughs> yeah. injury. For some reason, everyone has taken a chance to take a rhetorical stab at understanding the semantics behind the word fair. And that was not the point of this. So dumb. Yeah. Oh my God. If you, if you were taking that literally, you probably aren't listening to this show, <laughs> uh, which is good because we probably dunked on people like you a bunch. Uh, but I would like to take this opportunity to dunk on everyone who's done this publicly uh, for being I, upset that I said it wasn't fair in the least literal sense, maybe possible. <laughs> Thanks, I guys. actually, I did feel like a sense of pride seeing some uh, Twitter followers, some of like Twitter followers. I know that I have, and you have um, there in the comments, like, like kind of beating back some of the initial criticisms. I thought that was nice. Yeah, no, it was good. Um, again, overall, very positive and very understanding. I think of, of what, uh, you know, I was kind of feeling when I wrote it and what everyone's kind of feeling right now. It's not, I didn't say anything really special. I just kind of said everything else, right? Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's just there. Um, it's just there. Um, so I don't know. It feels weird. Uh, but if you are going to tear your ACL in any game during the season, the first one's the best one to do it. Yeah, that is pretty nice. Um, we don't know about return time. No one will know about return time. Um, we can talk to orthopedic folks and stuff all we want, uh, but it's, it's pretty much a guessing game. There are certain timetables for it. Generally a recovery, uh, from the surgery will take anywhere from like four to six months. Um, and full recovery on average, getting back to speed will take about nine months. Right. Uh, um, I've I heard two to, two, two to six months. Two, seems very, very optimistic uh, for the two to six months thing. But what we can say is that compared to me or Joe getting injured, that Joseph will have the very best medical care he can get. Um, he will have everything at his disposal to get back. Um, and he damn well might just anger his way back to his leg being okay. He might force it to be okay. I don't know, through sheer willpower, right? Um, so we don't know. Uh, it, varies on different cases we remember greg garza was probably the first atlanta united player to kind of tear his acl did breck tear, tear his acl uh yeah i think yeah yeah i think, I think he, he did, did too ACL. of course he didn't play the rest of the season garza was out for a really long time but eventually garza made it back for that was mls cup year wasn't it yes it was it was so, he, his first game back you know, i think was on decision day i think it was the last game against toronto so there is a precedent there uh, um and you know if you have Joseph for the playoffs, you have a chance, especially yeah. in single elimination. Um, so it's not completely over. We may see him back for a few games this year, for all we know, but we do know we're going to miss him for a real long time. Yeah, the calculus for what, how the club is going to decide what to do with him is essentially going to come down to, do they think that if he could return by the end of the season, which is, a, which is something that they'll have to determine at some point here soon, would the benefit of him coming back for however many games it is at the end of the year, would that outweigh the 
open roster slot and the potential $250,000 of extra budget space they could get through placing him on the season ending um, injury reserve list. It's like, what is the, what is the, what gives you more value? Those few games you'll get from Joseph at the end of the year or that, or the 250 K and the extra roster spot. That's, that's what the, that's what it's going to determine whether he goes on that list or not. It will be interesting because there's already been rumors about Jurgen Dam coming on a free transfer. You right. do you wonder if he could actually be a guy that that it uses that extra roster slot, the open roster slot. The I believe would they get the open international slot as well, just not the DP slot. But if they got if they could put your if they could get Jurgen Dam on a free transfer and an under two hundred fifty thousand dollars salary, I don't know if that's the case. But if that is the case, then you still have basically whatever they have left in allocation money right now, which I believe is pretty substantial, like a million or more uh, in allocation money to go out and buy a striker, which is definitely going to happen. I mean, Frank DeBoer said it after the game that the club really has no option other than to go out and buy someone. So it's just going to come down to like, they're going to have to figure out how, what is the best value in terms of Joseph coming back and how they can use whatever um, benefits they get from putting him on that list. Yeah, and we can talk about why we need a striker when we get to, to Nashville and talk about uh, Adam John's performance, I guess, uh, uh, from the game. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's super interesting with all the IR stuff and everything like that. And, God, the damn is interesting, you know. His name's been brought up a lot. Uh, he's very Zlatan? fast. Do what? Wait, who? Oh, Dan. Dan, Dan. Dan. Yeah. Dan. I thought you said, sorry. Sorry. I thought you said Zidane. Uh, no, no, damn. With damn, uh, who's very yeah. fast, maybe not good at soccer. Um, so, <laughs> right. I don't know. We'll, we'll yeah, see what they do with that. He's definitely not a striker. He scored one goal in his last, like, 60-something appearances for Tigres. So, yeah. it's not, yeah. I don't know. It's it seems like he's a guy who was already on their radar, and it seems like that that deal was very it was quite far advanced because he already said that he does not have a future in Tigres, and it sounds like his future had already been sewn up. So there's a chance that he could already be under a pre-contract, and all indications are that that pre-contract would be with Atlanta United, right. and that points to another kind of issue with pre-contracts, which is that they do carry a little bit of risk with them in, in, in the fact that you tie up your money in, in, in case just like this, where if you're Atlanta United and all of a sudden you have a need that you didn't expect to have, and you've already got, you know, you've already kind of paved your way a little bit through this pre-contract. It can, uh, it can tie you, tie your hands a little bit, but thankfully there will be some alleviation of that, of all the financials if they do put them on the injury uh, the injury reserve list. I don't even know what the official name of the list is called, so I probably right. <laughs> something different every time. Uh, I, I will say, me personally, I would, I would want to put him on that list. I would not want it in Joseph's mind to try to be to give him a chance to come back this season. And for, reason being is because you, we just know Joseph is such a competitor. If he thinks there's a chance, he's going to push it as hard as he can. Which and you don't know if that's going to be even, good for his long-term health. It's why he even came back on the field in the first place, which still seems insane to me. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how he was moving at all, really. Uh, and it seems like the initial tweak happened a couple minutes before he got stretched off, you know? Um, so, super strange. He, he's obviously stubborn. You're right. He'll, he'll try to come back as much as he can. Um, just to clarify something here, if he 
gets put on that list, does that exclude him from coming back this season? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that would be it. So that's and that's why I would want him there because like I, I I would just kind of prefer to take it out of his mind, just be like just give him a clear target of have yourself ready by the next uh, you know by the start of next season. He could probably still play in some international duty, I, I guess, if the team thinks he's well enough. Like in the off season, I'm not sure what fixtures Venezuela might have, like kind of toward the end, you know, in the off the MLS off season after this season, but. uh I would just not want it in his head that he could potentially come back and him rushing back in you know some way and then that leading to more damage down the line somehow. Yeah. But that's just me. Do you have a thought on it? Um, no. And I'm going to openly admit to that because I'm still trying to kind of understand exactly what we gained from it and the benefits of it and everything like that. Yeah. Um, I will say that if it does exclude him, him from the rest of the year it's going to take a lot of convincing for him to be okay with being on it you know um, i almost feel like we i don't want to be too optimistic but i think we maybe see joseph back he's going to fight for it so any chance you kind of can give him for that you know uh he's probably going to take it so we'll see uh, i will say that there have been a lot of rumors around this already uh as about as of about 9.30 this morning, Daniel Sturridge was definitely on his way <laughs> to Atlanta. Um, not quite. Not quite. He, more like banned from playing soccer until <laughs> June. Um, there have been a couple articles about it on the mothership. Uh, we'll probably have something eventually that says, you know, here's some folks we think might be interesting. Um, rumors already that someone who is well-traveled in Europe and has, quotation marks, one at all is on the radar, uh, whatever the hell that means. We, we spent about a good 30 minutes this after this morning uh, kind of going through, like, old Champions League winners of folks who, like, accidentally won the Champions League and being like, <laughs> right. oh, Klaus John Huntelaar or something like that, you know? Um, even though yeah. he's not one of the people who actually won the Champions League, I don't know why I thought that of that name. Uh, no, I, I actually I did go back. I went and checked his Wikipedia page today to see if he had won a Champions League, and he has not. But he is one of the names that was rumored. I mean, it would make sense because he's at Ajax. He's an Ajax guy. Yeah, I was uh, big. And, I was mostly basing this on how Dutch people were. And yeah. If they were super Dutch, I put them high on the list. I mean, it's not a bad idea because think about it, like if you're the club, what like one of your best tools to try to get somebody is to leverage Frank de Boer. You know, like use him. Uh, to the greatest extent that you can. And so you would think that, you know, somebody that's tied to him through Ajax would be a guy that they might go after. But, you know, uh, Klaus Nani Huntelaar has not won a Champions League. I've heard it that it is a guy who has won the Champions League. Not that the, he's necessarily coming. They don't have this agreed, but just that this player has been offered to the club. Now it's per Roger Gonzalez. I think he was the one who reported that on uh, from CBS Sports uh, earlier today. So, I don't know, if, like we, I don't think it necessarily serves anybody for us to just like run through a bunch of random names on this. But there are, you know, plenty of there's there's lots of interesting names for sure. Like Solomon Rondon is another one who's like a guy in the Chinese yeah. Superliga who could definitely be wanting out with the whole coronavirus situation going on. And there's probably other players in China I haven't even looked through, but you would think that some players in that league would be like, hey, uh, let me get out of here because first of all, their <laughs> league is canceled right now. Like they need to, and so they need to play games. Like those players need to play games. So even on a loan, you would think that, you know, there are quite a few options that are available to Atlanta United. And I would not be surprised at all to see it be a loan deal, by the way. Any any player they get in, I just think it makes a lot of sense for 
whoever the player is and whoever the club that would be willing to send like like not a lot of clubs right now are going to be will, one uh, wanting to sell a player right now but they might be wanting to loan a player so because you know they're out of their transfer windows in in Europe so we'll see we'll see but uh, I I've heard that it's almost certainly going to happen and I think that's just an you know you could yeah. just tell after I mean, Frank- they'd be crazy not to right, right? Yeah. yeah it's like yeah yeah um yeah so See. We'll we, see. we should Joseph. do like a like a pool on it. We should we should put odds on it. See who gets it right. Whoever gets yeah. it right, yeah, we'll we give it like a we'll buy him a kick ass roll or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll see. Those things are expensive, man. They are. It's they are. We, crazy. We, so here, can I go on a rant about like the, about Etsy, the kick ass roll? Etsy is like <laughs> freaking Spirit Airlines, man. It's like the price they <laughs> give you is like the with the low like the no frills worst thing like i wasn't about to go out and buy one of our winners a freaking like four by six inch casserole dish that's bullshit i gave him i gave him the full thing but then it's like you know when you go a couple sizes extra it's uh you know 20 bucks more or something ridiculous so anyway goodness wow what a world we live in speaking of the casserole though keep an eye out for that on saturday yeah that's exciting yeah I think we might have a special special guest uh, winner of the casserole that we can hand over in person. So excited for that. Are they aware of that, by the way? Yeah, I think so. Okay, cool. Fun. They've definitely been told about it. So we'll see if they show up. We'll see how much they like us. Yeah, no. Yeah. Darren did recognize me the other day. Felt felt pretty proud of that. Anyway. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Oh. Yeah, he said Sam. That was crazy, right? Hell yeah, dude. Look at that. He kind of mumbled it. Like, he kind of, like, <laughs> like he was, was, like, sure. walking by. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of like, yeah, he's. Got, I'm going to say this real soft just in case it's not this kid's name. But, uh, yeah. He said rabbits eat lettuce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a joke anybody got. Uh, All right. Ready for right. part two? Ready to move on to part two? Yeah. Right. Let's, let's Bless take up, a, Joseph. Let's take a commercial break real quick, and then uh, we'll get back to part two, where we'll talk about what happened in the game and uh, looking forward. All right, and before we get back to it, I wanted to let you guys know, as always, our presenting sponsor of the show is Lucid FC. That is Lucid Footwear and Clothing. They have a new collection out, In My Mind's Eye, for the spring and summer 2020. You can check it out on lucidfc.us. Have you checked it out, Sam? (laughs) Textiles such as Japanese denim, English Oxford shirting fabric, and Italian terrace poplin develop the soft muted feels and tones expressed throughout the collection. It's founded and operated in Atlanta with offices in New York City and London. Miles Robinson has sported their clothing. Rihanna has sported their clothing. And check this out, special offer for any of our listeners who want to order. You can get free shipping with DSS as the code at checkout. So make sure you do that when you go to lucidfc.us. Seriously, I wore lucidfc clothes um, up to Nashville when I when we went for uh, when I was on the supporters group bus. And it worked out well. Kept me nice and warm because it got freezing cold that night. Did you? Were you? Was it an open press box? No, we were glassed in. And I would have responded to your question, but I was not listening. Like always. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. Are we on to part two? Oh yeah, I was already going into it. So seriously, like it got freezing cold. It was awesome. I gotta say, it was great for me. I was there as a fan. Was not covering the game. I was doing some pregame coverage for 92.9, but once the game started, and about two hours before, uh, I was free to 
drink adult beverages mm-hmm. and mosh when Emerson Hyman hit a galazzo, and it was just a glorious thing. It uh, it was not a open press box, thank God. Uh, but I, I definitely had to walk back by myself across the pedestrian bridge uh, back to Broadway and all that after the game. So I felt the cold there, if that makes you feel, and the loneliness and the isolation there. Uh, but overall, really good experience, except for, you know, one really, really terrible thing. Um, Atlanta gets the win. Uh, they were a little definitely outplayed for chunks of that game. Uh, Nashville wins the XG there. Uh, but a banger from Emerson and just a stunning goal from Zeke uh, pushes us along there. The Zeke one, I had a perfect angle on it where I was sitting. Uh, ball comes in the air from Franco. Zeke steps forward to play it, realizes he has a guy on his shoulder, uh, pulls back, and essentially megs a guy by doing nothing. He kind of deked him a little bit on it, lets it run, and it goes right through his legs and, and took off after that. That's the best goal Zeke scored in Atlanta United uniform, quite frankly, I think. Um, incredible way to start the year. Um, and then the game kind of got booked ended with, with that goal. And then the silliest 15 seconds I've ever seen just about in an MLS game where <laughs> Zeke got the ball off a of clearance and the goalkeeper Joe Willis was out for Nashville at oh midfield. And Zeke kicked the ball and Joe Willis smacked it down and got a yellow card. I love that the explanation apparently was that the players were like running back and could have stopped it. My ass. Right. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way. There's no way that those players that were running back could have stopped that. They were going to throw their shoe at it or or get a (laughs) go-go gadget arm extender or or something. What in the world? It was the silliest stuff. I talked to Willis after the game and I totally forgot to ask him about it. It would have been amazing. I don't think anyone asked him about it. Maybe Mitch has it. Mitch was down for Pro Soccer USA and talked to him for a second. But I, oh, man, missed opportunity. I regretted I realized this morning that I could have done it, and I forgot. That's funny. Uh, I do think Atlanta was kind of fortunate in the game. I didn't even realize until yeah. I actually just read about it that they only had .24 XG in the game, which is like the lowest XG for like a winning team in, in the week, in week one. So, yeah, pre- I mean, pretty fortunate to win. I do think that Barco's first goal, for as good of a goal and as good of a shot as it was from Barco, I think that that was kind of a... Uh, that was kind of down to the fact that it was Nashville's first game and he was running at the defense and somebody should have come out to pressure him and just nobody did it. They had their wires crossed and so it just left a wide open gap for him to cut in. So he did have someone on him and it's the dude who got megged and he just took off. He ran away from Ezekiel. (laughs) I don't understand why. I've watched it like five times. I don't understand what happened. He just ran the other way. I think he Um, was like... So when you do that, you know... I think I guess he thought that like he had been burned and he was going to have whoever was covering him step up to Zeke and so he was going to go out and run at the the overlapping wingback which I think was Mulraney but uh mm-hmm. but yeah it was it was just a, a breakdown from Nashville's defense and uh, it led to a good opportunity for Barco but hey I hey it was a good shot still it was, it was a great goal and I think that it re- it's really evidence of Barco's. Uh, I think he can score quite a few goals this year, especially in the obviously in yeah. the absence of Joseph. There's going to be a, more goals that go around. And I think that this is something I was kind of getting into this with some people, including Josh Bagrianski. Uh, we were having a nice debate this morning about this. And I think that like when we think about w- the goals that Atlanta's going to lose through not having Joseph this year, it's not like 
those goals are just going to evaporate and disappear. You know, like those goals. Okay. You might not get 30 goals from everybody else in the team um, that you would have gotten with Joseph, but you might get 20, you know, like you're going to get like a, a lot of other players are just going to get opportunities, including whoever, whatever striker comes in. So um, there's going to be more opportunities for Barco this year without Joseph to score those goals. In fact, we already saw it in the Matagua game. He was making a lot of runs past Joseph into the box and he was getting into really good goal scoring opposite uh, positions. He just happened to have his shots get blocked or deflected or he stumbled over the ball or whatever. So um, I think his finishing is underrated, though. If you go back and look at his yeah. goal, like his goal highlights, they are really, really good, and including in the U-20 World Cup where he scored the, scored the goal of that tournament. It was a freaking amazing goal. Absolutely. And that's one of those things we talked about before, just about him having maybe not the confidence to do it because he's obviously confident when he shoots. It's just the the selfishness he needs to have sometimes, you know? Yeah. Um, sometimes he just needs to do one for Zeke. Do it for Zeke. I know. Zeke. He, he needs that pity confidence. Exactly. Right? Like, right. if you put those together. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect storm. A perfect storm. Um, yeah, but he plays really well. Um, and then Atlanta does get a little bit lucky, too, on the second goal, which was just strange. Um, have the AR on the near side where I was. Uh, put the flag up. Head ref overrules. Nashville reacts, and Atlanta really reacts. Yeah, like it's going to be an offside call, right? Like everyone yeah. just assumes, flag up, we're going to stop. Everyone yeah. stops. You know, um, that doesn't excuse a really bad clearance from Nashville that came right out to email. Yeah, um, and that doesn't take away from the fact that it was a hell of a finish. Okay, so you you said emo. I actually was asking this. We talked to Emerson Hyman. We had a scrum with him at training on like Thursday or whatever or Wednesday. I think it was. And after we talked to him, I, I was asking some of the other journalists, like, what should we call him? Like, he, certainly, like, his teammates aren't out there on the field calling him Emerson. Pass right. me, Emerson, pass me the ball. <laughs> you know, like, what do they call him? And so, Doug, after I said that, Emerson, Emerson was still walking back to the back to the training facility from where the little media center is. So he just dug open the door and he yelled out to him, what should we call you? <laughs> and, you know, he said, he goes, I bet it's M. And he's like... Should I should we call you M or something like that? And he said, yeah. So M, M. but I like emo. Okay. I like M. I, I like emo. Too. I don't even know where that comes from. That's Is like that, a that, could be, thing? that could be like our thing. Okay, I've been calling him emo for a while. I, th- I took that from Rob. So and Rob knows American soccer better than so any of us. So. I thought I thought Rob took it from you for the article about the bird. Oh. <laughs> Maybe I made this up. I don't know. <laughs> Um, he does kind of have the emo kind of my chemical romancey. If only he had like a little bit of orange tip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's kind very, of got like the swoop that comes over the eye, you know, <laughs> very hot topic manager. Yeah. 2007. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's very hot topic. Oh uh, man. Uh, I got to give a shout out. I got to give a shout out to all the fans. I mean, it was insane yeah. how many Atlanta United fans were there. And um, there was obviously the huge cluster up in the corner, which I thought was really funny. Like, you know, they were put up in like high. So far away. <laughs> so Literally far away. Literally this corner. <laughs> but, uh, but they were still making a ton of noise. And I kept on looking up at them and they would be, you know, like cool visuals jumping up and down or whatever. And it was just awesome to see all them. And it was, it was really fun to just hang out and talk to 
a bunch of them on the bus. I shouldn't say a bunch of them. I was kind of just talking to the people that were sitting around me. But uh, it was really just good to meet some of those folks and had a good time at the tailgate, got to meet a bunch of people. And it was just it was such a fun night. I cannot wait until there's another game there and I can't wait till the national fans come here, yeah. but it was just really great to like go to a different city and, um, and just get to experience the whole kind of road trip vibe. But, like, you know, it's kind of like, a, like that's how Europeans kind of experience it, you know, because yeah. everything's kind of in driving distance and you kind of get that kind of away days feel where it's like, you know, hostile territory, um, kind of making your presence known in someone else's house or whatever. And I, it was just, it was just a cool experience. And I got to say, I was actually just rewatching the, the Hyman go back today and on the camera. Yeah. And you could see like a ton of fans like jump to their feet (laughs) (laughs) and it's the angle. I think like on the TV angle on the, the way the TV cameras were, there was like a lot of Nashville fans on that side, or it seemed to me like there were a lot of Nashville fans on the side that was opposite me. Uh, and there were like a lot more Atlanta United fans on our side, or at least the, there was a lot more yellow color on the other side. So maybe they had handed something out over on that side or something. But it, yeah. there was tons of Atlanta United fans. Like in my close proximity, it was probably half and half. Like it was just insane. Yeah. So. Overall in the stadium, I, I think I eventually settled on like a 70-30 kind of split, I think. Um, it may, I may be underestimating it, but uh, we're, what, like 30 minutes into the show, time for our first college football reference. It felt like a college football game. It felt like one of those kind of yeah. mixed crowd kind of deals, right? Um, yeah. And the most college football thing especially was the drive up uh, when you started heading up the same place and you started recognizing, okay, that, there's an Atlanta night sticker. There's a license plate. There's a car flag. I love that the car yeah. flags have taken over, man. Yeah, that is the, the most flags. SEC shit <laughs> in the world to have the car flags going as it you is. go up there. Um, yeah. So good. Um, we were on, a, on the supporters bus. We had there was an Atlanta United logo on the back of the bus. So every time they would uh, they were driving by us, they were honking their horns and yeah, waving <laughs> like waving their arms out the window and like it was yeah, it was awesome and the car course, flags and stuff. Yeah. And of course, then you get into the city and I mean just consumed by Atlanta fans. You know, there were more Atlanta fans there than Bachelorettes. That's huge. <laughs> wow. That's that's saying I mean, something. Even on Broadway. Uh, you know, I walked into a couple places, and I think the one I was at was Tin Roof, that was especially, was just an entire floor of Atlanta United fans, you know, including the up-top roof and everything like that. Um, and, and to see that kind of takeover happen, again, very, very college football, uh, to have the visiting folks and the touristy spot and the locals celebrating in, like, a grass lot outside the stadium, you yeah. know? Um, that kind of dichotomy is always great. Um, but we we do have a big question to take from it, right? Because I identified myself with a scarf. I was not being objective. Um, I refused to be objective. So I was walking around the city. I wanted people to know that I'm, I'm there from Atlanta. I had my friends with their Atlanta United stuff as well. We walked by many a person on the street and saw many a person out, out of a car with Atlanta United stuff. And yet... We did not know what to say. There is not a there is not a hookem. There's there not an O H. There's no O H exactly. Uh, there is not a go dogs. There is nothing that we have to make this not awkward mm. because you kind of walk by somebody and you say go with Lana. <laughs> yeah. Go mm. you, five stripes is. Mm. Mm. This is perfect for our listeners. Like, this is the perfect, like, I feel like we can come up with something. 
we as in the community of people listening Absolutely. listening to this at us for the first time ever <laughs> at us <laughs> we do i'm now and now i'm stuck thinking about it yeah it's, it's a really good point i hadn't thought about it yeah in uga culture you can drop a how about them dogs as in like an extended yeah. one um you can't do like a how about them stripes though i know, yeah um it could be the, five, a dream five scenario might be like a the stripes is, is hell i i don't know if it's gotten that pop fruition i would be uh exceedingly happy um so you know uh work on it get back to us what if i don't it know would, man what if it was uh one person says five stripes is hell and then the second person says don't they That'd be nice. That would be amazing. Be nice. it's still, but I don't it's know if still, it works. Yeah, it's it's a little cumbersome. You have to have that quick. You know, yeah. you're walking by. You don't want to actually have a social interaction. Exactly. You just want to acknowledge them. Exactly right. right? It needs to be something so, like you're walking down the aisles in the grocery store, you know, and you're just passing. It's got to be something that can happen within that just that quick passing moment where it's just yeah. boom, boom, and then you're back on with your day. Yeah. So. But it was great to learn that. It was good. great to learn that yeah, and understand that is, it. You know? Yeah, that is good. Um, again, very college football. I love it. I loved it a lot. Y'all are great. Y'all are perfect. Um, Nashville did a good job, though. Uh, it was it was a show. They, they said they were going to put on the show. And, and for the elements that didn't work, um, that was okay. <laughs> they were trying. Uh, yeah. It was the first game, you know. Um, and, uh, and I think it's going to grow. It's really cool to have a city that can maybe – they won't match us. Come on. Not Atlanta. They won't match Atlanta United. Uh, but – they will have a culture that is fun to engage with, is fun to interact with, and good to have there as kind of a competing presence, I think. And, and that's great. The more they can get those traditions and everything kind of in place, that'll grow it. The more the crowd can understand what's going on, that'll grow it. Um, and I also have, uh, like, three articles on the mothership about this. Go read that, please. Um, so, you know. Can I, uh, can I kind yeah. of rip on them? Do you care? No, no, because... <laughs> My entire Joe, my entire life had built to the moment where I could dunk on Judah and the Lion, a band who I despise yeah. for so many reasons. And I hope no one in charge of MLS or anything is listening to this. Definitely but it, not, the fact that not. I sold out before I got a chance to dunk on Judah and the Lion pains me to no end. <laughs> say what you're going to say. Uh, yeah, I just thought that the whole Judah and the Lion bit did not work for me for a couple, two, two, two things about it. One was the whole ceremony at the beginning was just weird how it was like 20 minutes long. First of all, I don't really know any of their songs either. So it was right. just a little like foreign to me, the whole thing. And um, no one should be expected to, because they're not like that popular outside of your weird friends. D now group. Anyway, continue. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just thought um, it was just, too, it, it was too long, the whole the set that they did before the game. And, like, you know, it's music. It's not necessarily, like, when they wrote some of that music, it wasn't like they were writing it with sport culture in mind. So, like, some of the music that they were actually playing before the game had, like, some slow parts and stuff that was artistic or whatever. But it wasn't, like, something that kind of gets you amped up for a, a game to be played so it was kind of weird i didn't mind the 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 when they brought on the other person <laughs> to do the wailing guitar solo i actually thought that that worked kind of better than the than the judah and the lion bit 
that was the most well-received thing of the entire night. Yeah. Like, even Atlanta fans were like, yeah, that was cool. Like, and that, that was the thing sense. I was expecting to be the lamest, to be totally honest. <laughs> so... That Good made sense. It was also kind of weird just the setup that they had with Judah and the Lion, whereas, like, if you're going to do a 20-minute performance, just put them on a stage, like, out in the middle of the stadium. It was weird that they were, like, t- tucked in behind the yeah, goal doing they it. they wanted them was... next to the back line. And, you oh, know, okay, yeah. Even the back line was like, no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I got to the one other part about it was that they played the song, I for, which I forget what it's called. I just call it Hey, Mister. But it's like um, whatever it's the song. Never give up on you. Never give Joe. up. On, okay, yeah. So that's all. Yeah. Thank you for but reminding I do me. I want to say title. something. You were, you were talking about like not having the sports vibe, and I agree that that talking about losing your girlfriend to another youth group is a tough vibe to sell <laughs> at a sports game. <laughs> yeah, and uh, when they played that song after the game. I felt like there was, like, uh, as I was walking out, there were some, like, Nashville fans that were, like, still standing in their seat with their scarf up, like, you know, singing the song very sadly or whatever. And it just sounded, it seemed like a, it seemed like it was, like, a self-fulfilling prophecy, like, the, like, expect sadness at the end of this, because it is kind of a song that's, like, I'll never give up on you, like, yeah, yeah, we lost, but I'll never, you know, but I'll never, I don't know, it was just kind of. I'm sure it'll grow and it'll mean something else when there's more experiences to be had, but like, you know, absolutely. And I think people kind of slowly caught on to it kind of throughout the game or throughout the, the song. By the end of it, it, it kind of sounded like people were actually singing it besides in the back line and stuff like that. Um, they figured out to hold their scarves up and stuff like that. And it eventually kind of created a cool effect. Um, I will say that the recorded version sounded pretty Pretty okay at the end of the game. They played it at the end of the game, too. Yeah. Um, they didn't want to sing because they were cold and, you know, they just lost. But that might be really neat after a win, I think, uh, the recorded version and, and everyone kind of go. And it, it does have like a – there is a – I could see a vibe where that gets emotional as much as I don't like that band. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I could see a vibe where that works after a game and, you know, it actually does have some kind of meaning to it. Um, but, again – I respect their trying. I would love if Lane United had an anthem, however cheesy it might be, uh, because I love sports anthems. So, you know, I'm kind of jealous, I'll be honest. I think the next evolution for them and that song will be to be, like, singing it during the while the game is going on. You know, like, to, like, sing it, sing a during song while, like, during the game. Like, that. at that point, it will be, um, it'll kind of feel more natural and genuine. Sure. But they're, I mean, you know, they're trying to set up their club, so more power Absolutely. to them. Absolutely. I will say that the, all the Nashville folks I talked to were very nice. Um, even the guy who walked up to me and said, welcome to the greatest city in the entire world. I mean, it's not nice to walk up to someone and just lie outright like that, but <laughs> it was okay. It was friendly. Yeah. yeah, we had yeah, we had some friendly fans around us, too. We were just kind of like, it was kind of, you know, those those sports fans that you have where you're just kind of like, giving each other shit during the game throughout the game, right. you know, when something happens and it's all in good fun and you're both laughing about it. There were some fans around us that were like that. So it was, yeah, it was, it was definitely a good time. They, they were jeering Joseph for time wasting when he was down. I do kind of get it. Like, you know, they're yeah. upset. They're losing the game players injured or, or injured or whatever. But, uh, you know, I would have done the same. I mean, if right. like I'm sure us, Atlanta have fans, have definitely... like the people who are, are super hyped up about that. Come the hell on. You would have done it. Maybe not when he was on the fucking stretcher. But, you know, <laughs> at that point you go, oh, <laughs> he might be hurt. Well, yeah, it was like when he was on the stretcher, I heard people be like, watch this. He's about to run back on, you know, <laughs> just because like that's what they're, you know, which wasn't like completely unfair. <laughs> you know, 
Um, oh boy, that's a great lead in to uh, the best injury of the night, which was our boy Adam John coming in, stepping in front of an attempted free kick, like cutting off them from taking it quickly, and then acting like he got kneed right in the stomach and falling over. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. He he really and truly is. Crap, I can't say it. He is <laughs> he is Fellaini though. He is he's Fellaini oh, of yeah. affiliation that I won't mention because I'll get. You know, ah, our our readership might be cool with it anyway. Um, yeah, yeah it's fascinating. Yeah. He was not in control of any body part at any point during that game. <laughs> At no point was he control of any of his extremities. It's like fucking... Have you ever played Quop? No. This is, okay, go play Quop. It's this game where you hit like QW and OP on your keyboard and try to make a person run. Very few people have ever completed it because your character... Your Q controls like your left quad and your W controls like your left calf and your O controls the right stuff, right? And so your player can't really run. He just kind of falls over on his face. Adam John was just a glorified version of Quop running at a hundred times speed and he crashing was, into people. When he came on, he was amped. Like he was going hundred miles per hour, which is in Adam John's speed is like fifty miles per hour. Right. But uh, you know. <laughs> um, at but one yeah. point though, he pulls off like this random flick that was just gorgeous, <laughs> yeah. and then right back to like running with his knee out to the side and one leg ahead of too far ahead of everything else. It was just fascinating. While we're talking about reserve players, just a quick shout out to Lawrence Wyke for coming into that game. Obviously totally. a huge moment for him as a player who has not made an appearance at the MLS level to come in and play a half and in front of 59,000 or 60,000 people, however many it was, man, what a, what a big moment for him. And I'm just glad he came through it and the team actually got the result that it needed with him kind of at the back there. He played one really, really nice ball uh, across the field from um, to uh, Jake Mulraney. Yeah. Really nice. And he was actually pretty good in possession. I thought that there were times where he looked a little bit shaky just defending one-on-one, and I think that's probably to be expected for a player like him. He smoked one time. It, it was, was almost a goal. It was, the, it yep. was the closest chance Nashville had. If David Akam is anything but David Akam, yeah. he probably scores. <laughs> that was classic David Akam right there, yeah. Um, but, you know, all in all, it was I think it was probably as good as you could have expected from him. So uh, yeah. shout out to him. I actually thought he was actually he was much better than I anticipated in possession, kind of just like releasing the ball to players in transition. Thought that was thought that was good. So shout out to him. That is something that has been lost in all this. We don't have an update on Franco either. Yeah, um, I'm not I, expecting him to be back for this game on Saturday. Against right. Cincinnati. I mean, it's not quite losing Joseph, but that's still that's that's miserable. Right. Um, yeah. So many people out or, or visa-less at this point. Um, it, it's tough. We are expecting Cassetto to be good. I'm not sure about Castro, right? Yeah, I think Castro will be back. Uh, I think he will be available, but I'm not sure where he is fitness-wise. Obviously, tactically and with the team, you know, he's just has not trained with them at all. So he it would definitely is not a guy who would start the game, but probably will be on the bench and be an option for Frank DeBoer to come on late if he just needs legs or something like that to do a simple job. I, I sure. do wonder if the team will go to a back four now without Franco Escobar. Um, and you don't have Franco Escobar, you don't have Miles Robinson, so maybe you go back to what they did in Matagua where you have Walks and Meza as the center backs, and then maybe you use 
I don't know. It depends on what left backs are available. I don't know if Castillo will be ready. Potentially George Bellow could play left back. I don't know yet if Jake Mulraney, if they, if Frank DeBoer would be willing to play him as an out and out left back. Cause he really, at this point, all he's played is at um, left wing back. Yeah. And uh, obviously Brooks Lennon would be your right back in that situation, but it'll be interesting to see if they go to a, go to that back uh, back four, because, you know, it was interesting to me that they played the back four against Matagua because Frank DeBoer said that they had only trained that formation for two days. And yet they had Jeff Lorenowitz in that lineup and he could have played center back or at least like Tata Martino may have tried him at center back. It, it signaled to me that Frank DeBoer just does not see him as a center back whatsoever. Yeah. And so that if, he, if he's the in the right. game. I think so too. I, I totally yeah. agree with that. I, I agree with it as well. I'm glad to I'm glad to see him in that position. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I will say uh, I just want to say real quick that Mulraney and Lennon uh, both had pretty good games, I thought. But I will say that the the speed is real on both of them. They took off a couple times, and it was just it was kind of stunning. Uh, and and yeah. it's something that was really lacking last year on the wing. Um, of course, Lennon's never going to have the ability to play a ball like Julian Gressel is. Uh, but you know to have that kind of speed on the wing that that could be really effective going forward uh, if they find a way to make it happen. Yeah. And one little kind of small tactical note that I noticed during the game was that in the Matagua game in the second leg where they looked really good in that back three, a lot of the progression was actually going through the two central midfielders and Eric Rometty and Emerson Heinemann. The center backs were able to play the ball out of the back to those players, and then they were able to, able to progress up that way as to where in the Nashville game, Nashville was really denying all of that central area. They were making it really hard to play through the middle. So it was both Mulraney and Lennon. It was very, the team was very reliant on those two players to be the ones that were progressing the ball up the field. And I think they, they did a good enough job. I'll take good enough. Why not? Right. All right. Anything else you want to add before we get out of here? Um, no, I think that's about it. We got Cincy Wait. coming up on Saturday and then yeah, uh, here's your Cincinnati after that we've preview. got some, uh, Cincinnati's bad. <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah. Yeah, that's and, it. And then um, after that, it gets really crazy with uh, midweek matches against Club America in the next two weeks. Yeah. So um, schedule is about to get well. It's already been kind of hectic, and it's just going to keep that way. So I'm looking forward to it. Soccer's back. It's fun. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Let's get out of here. Uh, right. You can follow me at J underscore Sam Jones. You can follow Joe at J Patrick 200. Uh, go check out everything, of course, on Dirty South Soccer. Follow the Twitter at Dirty South Sock. Go check out all our stuff at 19 on the gang. Go check out our stuff at MLSsoccer.com. And just just come say hey, guys. Come say hey. Shout out to the people who said hey in Nashville as well. That was kind of cool to have people say hey. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, let's get out of here. Bye, y'all. All right. Bye.